morning. Good to be back. Traipsing all over the central United States in the last couple, last two Sundays. It's always good to be home. Title of the message this morning: Dependence or Independence? They call this weekend Independence Day weekend. July 4th, about 242 years ago, there was a document signed by 56 men. We know today as the Declaration of Independence. And uh, that document was basically a declaration that to announce that there's 13 colonies that had no intentions of becoming, staying dependent on Great Britain. So today we have Fourth of July celebration, Independence Day celebrations. They have parades and they have fireworks and everybody takes a day off of work and uh, celebration of being independent. When I was a teenager, there was a few teens that I were that I associated somewhat with, at least knew them, that were could not wait till the day they turned twenty one. They were living for the day that turned twenty one. They turn 21, they can make all their own decisions, and nobody can tell them what to do. And uh, they moved out of the house as soon as convenient after they turned 21, and they lived like they very well pleased. Uh, most of them didn't turn out too well. Somehow or the other, the independence led them in their lifestyle that uh, was pretty confining. Uh, when I was growing up, my dad had a grocery store and he had a young man working for him and his name was Ignatius Socks. How would you like to have that name? His name was Ignatius Socks. And one day Ignatius Socks came to work. And he declared that it's his birthday. And he was all pumped up about the fact that this was his birthday. And somebody says, so what's so exciting about that? And he said, I'm white, free, and 21. That was his statement. I guess those three things, in his mind, combined the best that it could ever be. If I recall, he married a woman with 11 children. I'm not sure where the the free part, how that worked out. 
I googled his name and uh, little did he know at that time and little did anybody else know at that time he only had 21 more years to live because he died at 42 according to burial records often wondered what happened to him good worker but he was celebrating his independence should we Uh, we have in our Anabaptist circles sometimes what we call independent congregations Uh, you know independent church well I don't know if that's uh, it could be true I suppose Um, hopefully a more accurate term would be unaffiliated rather than independent but it's interesting uh, it's interesting as a leader to um to observe some of those churches. Um, A few of them that I'm quite closely acquainted with do not look at that congregational state, if you want to call it that, as completely positive. They understand that there's some downsides to being an unaffiliated congregation. And so I've heard multiple times where they have asked other leadership from other congregations to sit on their minister's meeting twice a year just to get some outside input. Uh, Obviously, they feel... Tad vulnerable because they are unaffiliated, and I, I I commend them for that. That doesn't mean that affiliated churches have it all together. By no means, I'm not saying that at all. Uh, does an independent perspective in life if I have that is it to my advantage does it serve me well or does it serve me or is it to my disadvantage who are the most vulnerable dependent people or independent people Would I progress spiritually faster? Would I progress faster spiritually if I didn't have all these other people to deal with? Or does my spiritual progress depend on the influence of other people? Is it to my advantage that other people speak into my life? Or is it, is it like some people say, well, it's, uh, all I need is God. Me and God, that's all I need. You know, just, just God and I. 
Sometimes we may be tempted to be independent because we feel superior to other people. We want everything under control. We have all the answers. Everybody else just don't quite make the grade. And we become a little proud of our accomplishments. And so, you know, I kind of stand alone and kind of you poor folks out there kind of struggle along, you know, people around us. See, we can be tempted to be that way, especially if things are going well. But the question arises and remains, how dependent am I in reality? Uh, How dependent on you are you on your next heartbeat? I googled that question. It's like, how long from uh, a person's last heartbeat till they lose consciousness? And the answer, the best answer that I got was almost simultaneously. Um, you know, it shock the heart and bring it back, you know, two, three minutes. Your brain starts shutting down. Ten minutes is pretty much all over normally. <clears throat> Paul Mars Hill had a profound statement. He said, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with man's hands, as though he needed anything. Seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. So God is giving this. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and had determined the time to be appointed and the bounds of their habitation that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him though he be not far from every one of us for in him we live and move and have our being as certain of your own poets have said for we are also his offspring The thought of mortality is a very profound thought. Simple fact that we are mortal. If you haven't walked through a cemetery recently, I would recommend you do that. sounds a little morbid. Alright, but good exercise. It's good exercise. Particularly if you know the names of lots of people on the gravestone. 
See, we're not all here forever. It, seem, it would seem hard to me to reconcile the idea that I am totally independent with the idea that I'm not going to be here forever. Like, see, I don't control that. I don't control how long I'm going to live. I thought of a poem. I don't know if I've ever read this here before or not. It's entitled Mortality. Or, in some poem books, it's called Why Should the Spirit of Mortal Be Proud? Did I ever read this? Fairly sobering poem. Oh, why should the spirit of mortal be proud? Like a fast flitting meteor, a fast flying cloud, a flash of the lightning, a break of the wave, he passes from life to his rest in the grave. The leaves of the oak and the willow shall fade, be scattered around and together be laid. And the young and the old, and the low and the high, shall molder to dust and together shall lie. The child that a mother attended and loved, the mother that infant's affection that proved, the husband that mother and infant that blessed, each all are away to their dwelling of rest. The maid on whose cheek, on whose brow, in whose eye, shone beauty and pleasure, her triumphs are by. And the memory of those that beloved her and praised are alike from the minds of the living erased. The hand of the king that the scepter hath borne, the brow of the priest that the mitre hath worn, the eye of the sage and the heart of the brave, are hidden and lost in the depth of the grave. The peasant whose lot was to sow and to reap, the herdsman who climbed with his goats to the steep, the beggar that wandered in search of his bread have faded away like the grass that we tread. The saint that enjoyed the communion of heaven, the sinner that dared to remain unforgiven, the wise and the foolish, the guilty and just, have quietly mingled their bones in the dust. So the multitude goes, like the flower and the weed that wither away to let others succeed. So the multitude come, even those we behold, to repeat every tale that hath often been told. For we are the same that our fathers have been. We see the same sights that our fathers have seen. We drink the same stream and we feel the same sun. And we run the same course that our fathers have run. The thoughts we are thinking, our fathers would think, from the death we are shrinking, they too would shrink. To the life we are clinging to, they too would cling, but it speeds from the earth like a bird on the wing. They loved. 
But the story we cannot unfold. They scorn, but the heart of the haughty is cold. They grieve, but no wail from their slumber may come. They enjoy, but the voice of their gladness is dumb. They die. A, they died, and we, things that are now, who walk on the turf that lies over their brow, who make in their dwellings a transient abode, meet the changes they met on their pilgrimage road. Yea, hope and despondence and pleasure and pain are mingled together like sunshine and rain, and the smile and the tear and the song of the dirge still follow each other like surge upon surge. Tis the wink of an eye, tis the draught of a breath, from the blossom of health to the paleness of death. From the day of our birth to the bier and the shroud, oh, why should the spirit of mortal be proud? Mortality. I'm sitting in my office, and I'm wondering, I wonder what all happened in this room in the last 150 years. So am I dependent? I sure am dependent. Very much so. I'm dependent on God for His mercy, for His goodness, for salvation, to live victorious every day. Lamentations 3.23 says, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. It is the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. So when you got up this morning, I don't know if you thought about it. And sometimes I forget. But whether I'm going to have a successful day depends on the mercy and the compassion of God for me that day. And because of that, then I can have hope as I go through that day. And the Lord and the Bible says that the Lord promises good to me that day. If I wait for him, if I don't go rushing ahead of him, and if I seek him, Jeremiah, in the middle of his lamentations, and by the way, the verses that precede that aren't, <laughs> aren't very pretty. It's, it's like he's lamenting and lamenting and lamenting, and all at once it's just like this bright flash of light in verse 21 through 24. But he's remembering. He's remembering. And... Uh, I think it's good to remember. Am 
My sister sent me this email probably five years ago, old farmer's advice, and it said, live a good, honorable life, then when you get older and think back, you'll enjoy it the second time. So if you just pause and you think about the dynamic of of other people in your life. Just just think of that dynamic of other people in your life. How, how much of life's blessings revolve around other people? How much of the satisfaction, the pleasure, the joy of life revolve around other people? Now, Saunders having um, to do to have a baby about July the 8th. So, um, so now she wants mom to come down and help her a little while, so... Yesterday I got her a ticket, got Mary Sue a ticket for Ohio for and a week later I'll go pick her up and we'll go to a Martin Sibber Union in Pennsylvania. So I've got this week to deal with. Uh, no sweetheart around the house. All right. So so now I'm, I'm thinking this after I'm getting this ticket. Now what am I do with this week? I mean this, this is. So how can I make time fly? And I'm thinking, well, I love camping. Maybe I'll just go camping. <clears throat> so I'm thinking about this. I'm getting the camper already. I go to the campgrounds and I park the camper and set it all up and then make a fire and then what? Well, I need somebody around. I mean, you know, it's like, what's camping if you're sitting around the fire by yourself? You know, it's like, so... Eh, probably won't go camping. Unless somebody in church wants to go camping. I mean, if some family wants to go camping, then, uh, let me see. Uh, uh, 17th, Tuesday, Wednesday, 18, 19, 20, about 20 or 21 of July there. If you're interested in going camping, uh, I'll go camping with you. But I need somebody else. I was afraid of Ellis is going to preach a sermon this morning talking about remembering. He started on this remembering thing and I said, wait a minute, I hope this don't last too long because <clears throat> I don't have nothing to say. But uh, I, w- I was sent this uh, email recently about the the blessings of memory. I mean, like, what memory does. And, 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 and it's... It's like, alright, if you have a good memory, nobody can take that away from you. Alright? 
However, if I live a sinful life, I'm going to have to deal with that memory. You know, nobody can really take that away from me either. I'm going to have to deal with that. So, I, I was challenged with the, with the fact of, you know, if I think about and if I choose my memories, all right, I, I can choose to remember certain things. I shared this with the ministerial team uh, Tuesday night when we had the when we had ministers meeting. But but there's certain things I can choose to remember. Certain things I just leave go. All right. If I can, you, you've met people that what I call have a file cabinet on their back. You mention somebody's name, and they pull out the file, and they say what they said and what they did, and how nasty it was, and when it was, and who was standing there, and and all this rot, literally rot, and they can't remember the same people of all the good that they did. They they don't remember how dependent they are on others. All they choose to do is remember the bad. So I'm thinking and trying to recall Timothy uh, when I put this made this sermon I didn't know it was Sunday school lesson I always do my sermon first and then I study Sunday school lesson and here uh, Paul says I can remember I remember you I remember your grandma I remember I put into remember And, and, and all these wonderful things that Paul remembered about Timothy. He remembered his tears. He remembered a lot of things about Timothy. It was encouraging to Paul. Now, did Timothy do some dumb things? He probably did. I mean, he's human like all the rest of us. But Paul didn't remember all those. So I'm very dependent. See, I'm dependent on family see we, we learn a lot we depend on family a lot to help us to learn to interact socially with each other I'm depending on my sweetheart for love security you know she goes to Ohio I mean the thought of unfaithfulness does even is not even on the radar screen. No, I, I can I can I have that security. I have I'm dependent on that. I remember uh, Dave Fry asked the youth at one uh, third term how many people how many of the youth had helped finish raising their parents and everybody said it like this and he says so who's the how many here are the oldest in the family and so of said hands went up and said well you helped raise your parents yeah they did see my children I didn't know if I knew this or not but my ch- I was depending on my children <laughs> Or maybe you were depending on my children to help me to mature. I don't know. I, you know, it's like other people depending on my children to help me grow up. All right. 
but it's true. See, my children helped me develop responsibility, accountability, a sense of that. I'm telling you what, when you hold your first baby, the light comes on. Right, in the hospital. You hold the first baby, the light comes on. Now what? And then I realize I'm dependent on you and the congregation. I depend on a lot for you for my encouragement. Personally, in a group setting, interacting in Sunday school, listen to the preaching, personal testimonies. That That is... I mean, I don't know how people function going to the, what do they call it, the first holy roller mattress church or something they call it. Like, you get up in the morning, you feel so holy, you just roll over in the mattress and go back to sleep. And people say, ah, you know, they can watch TV or listen to the radio. Well, I suppose you can, but you ain't going to get very far spiritually. I'm so dependent on my fellow brethren in leadership to help me make wise decisions to lead out in direction in the church. I don't know. I don't have all the answers by any stretch of imagination. And, and uh, you know, when we're talking about things, I certainly appreciate it. This, this Tuesday night we talked about the internet and personal accountability and it's like what should our congregation where where are we? What what should we be doing? What is is nothing okay? That's kind of where we've been. Is that all right? Is that gonna carry us through? See, so we hear each other out and and we discuss these things and you know I and I'm thinking about this and it's like we're all so codependent on each other for spiritual growth and finding spiritual fulfillment in life certainly codependent with God in reflecting and thinking about Bible characters etc I've come to the conclusion that independence is very very elusive if it's possible at all. And then I got to thinking that this is kind of a this is kind of a what they call it, a paradox. Now you know and I know that God 
is in need of nothing. He is complete in himself. Alright? He doesn't depend on anybody to exist. He doesn't depend on anybody else's ideas. He don't depend on anybody else's interaction. He don't depend. He is complete. He is full. He is full. He is in himself more than adequate. But somehow or the other, God is depending on me and he's depending on you. That transcends, and it's important, can others depend on me? Can others depend on you? We're talking about dependence or independence. Can others depend on you? Or greater yet, can God depend on you? Can God depend on me? I wrapped this up, and I was thinking about I wrap this up with the story of Joseph. Now little did he know, or little did his brothers know, that their existence depended on Joseph. They hated his coats. They hated everything about him. They couldn't get, they couldn't get rid of him quick enough, except for one went to bat for him. Little did they know that someday they're going to need Joseph and they're going to need him bad. And without him, they would starve to death. They didn't know that. But Joseph decided that he was going to remember good things. He remembered his father. God could depend on him. He ended up in prison. And he chose not to ditch his brothers. He chose not to. When everything around him seemed like spinning out of control and they could just get rid of him at their women wish, whether it's Potiphar or whether it's his brothers or whether whoever it was, really didn't need him. Joseph knew that he couldn't get along without his brothers. That to me is an amazing thought. He had him in the palm of his hand. He had him in the palm of his hand. And he could have just as easily said, I don't need you. You didn't need me. I don't need you. 
you made your bed lie in it. But Joseph brought to his family, he brought to himself, he brought to God great joy because he decided and he knew that true dependence takes a crucifying of my own personal flesh. You see, independence is based on pride. True dependence understands that others are important. I'm not a self-made man. I need God, and I need Him desperately, and I need people around me. I need Him desperately, and and Joseph knew that he knew that he need, he needed his brothers desperately, even though their behavior was despicable. And Joseph found great joy in depending on God and depending on others. And that's the challenge for me in my life today. And I hope it's a challenge to yours. So are we going to be dependent? Are we going to be independent?